Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. And on this show, we have Francis J. St. Pierre, who has not been on the show since 2006. It's been 16, 16 years, years yeah. since he's been on. And he's talking about a Michigan legend known as Morro Road, which Morro Road is one of these interactive legends where people can drive up to the, it's not really a bridge or a covered bridge, There's but a it's, a, it's for a crick. It. It's a crick. A crick. A crick. <laughs> And they can, they can drive over a certain part of the road and honk their horn three times. And there's a name for that, though, I thought. And there's some name for they're it. They're called crybaby bridges. Crybaby bridges. Okay. And they're around the U.S. There's a lot of different crybaby bridges, and they all involve a similar story of a mother who has lost a child in some traumatic way. Uh, this legend says that the kid was four years old, a baby. There's myriad um, versions the, uh, the out there. Collins Bridge, which is not exactly a road. It's a bridge. That's the one we talked about, that, that insane, EP, insane, insane EVP that we got. Yeah, in Indiana. In Indiana. That's the story we got there, too. Oh, Same that story. was a similar, that well, was a the story, bridge? The story from that one we got was that a little girl used to swim in the creek yeah. under the bridge. Yeah. And her dad or mother would come there uh, and honk the horn yep. of the car to let her know, okay, it's kind of time to yep. come home from dinner. And then one day they come and honk the horn, and she and didn't come back up. Yeah. She drowned. So that's the thing now, too. We got cats yelling at us. Go ahead, Amber. And I get the that's cats where you got that EVP of that little girl that says, I want to go. Completely insane. Really we should is, repost that. There really someday. is a good EVP. But we already ruined it by doing that. Because I don't, that's one of those ones well, where, you know. I, mean, I know, but it's so clear. It's hard to argue. It's hard to argue, what exactly. You hear. Tell us more. I'll be right so, back. Francis J. Sampierre has been working on a movie project involving this legend for many, many years, and he has gotten it off the ground and running. He's starting to go into production. If you want to be a lead lady, check out moralroad.com well, yeah, there's because a... they're looking for extras, their lead. They're looking for props. props. for a car. Uh, and this would be in southeast Michigan. Yeah, exactly. That they're filming. He's been working on this this whole time. Oh, a long time. This is what drives me completely insane about this, in a good way, of course, is that uh, I know, I know, knowing myself better now, I find that I like victories a little faster than that. And he's been working on this oh, thing for he's been he working on this thing up. since two thousand four. So I told him to I'm achieve sure. this goal. I'm like you have tenacity. Tenacity, exactly. <laughs> Times a thousand. I don't, I don't have that. I like to kind of achieve goals a little quicker than that. Realize realize accomplishments, let's say. So ten but points to Francis for that. He's had all these synchronicities that just seem to be lining up yeah. for him to make this movie now versus in the past. Mm -hmm. So you'll also hear on the show the one time Scott tries to make a point, his mind just kind of melt. Okay, well, let's <laughs> let's. Let, I want to put this in perspective. Um, this <laughs> is July nineteenth, twenty twenty two, when we're recording, at least recording this intro for our show. And I was a complete idiot today. That the weather today was about ninety three degrees here in beautiful Michigan, beautiful Southeast Michigan. And I decided to run uh, two miles plus, do a bunch of other. Uh, cardio activities in the hot sun and then when i came home later on that day after work and stuff like that i decided to do a 10 and a half mile bike ride just because i like to exercise uh, but i really am pretty mellow right now <laughs> so that happened and that you know i i found well, out i can't do that kind of crap the day we record shows i have to be a little more icy because i'm really you take a hot shower after that and then i'm like uh I'm well and then after, the, after we down. were done recording francis is like 
Yeah, I did. I was trying. I didn't know where you were going with that. So well, either did I. I, I no, it's all right. It's all right. It happens, and we do very minimal editing on this show. So yeah. there's often times when I walk away from a show going, "God, I sounded like an idiot," <laughs> or I really bumbled my words there. And we don't really we don't edit that stuff out unless we, you know, something really stupid. But yeah, whatever. I mean, but it's yeah, very rare. I, I am just... going to make it a point now to when we the day of a show, I'm not going to. Do stuff like that. I'm going to go a little lighter on stuff and stay in the air conditioning where I'm a little. You're going to more... play like mind games, like Trivial Pursuit. Well, chess. yeah, I we wasn't play chess before you. I'm not sharp start, right now. Start. I'm really chill, you know. So, but yeah, <laughs> that was pretty funny. But yeah, um, this is again where I want to stress that if you're here in Michigan, this is why we want to talk to Francis because he's looking for people for this film. He's got a, and there's some heavy hitters involved with this thing too. This is a really cool project and. You know, it's one of those things. Like I, uh, we talked about that, I and think, it's a horror movie. It's, so. Yeah, well, we talked about that though too, and we've done some of this stuff. I mean, that was back in like 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. uh, with our our dearly beloved, who's no longer with us, Fat Jesus, Mister Tim. He was the one that started us on that. Just called us out of nowhere and said, "Hey, man, there's this film shoot going on. Uh, it's a, a zombie movie, and I know there's like lots of zombie films now, but there's a zombie film. This dude's filming it on this property, and we, you know." You want you guys want to go with us? It was you know him and Tina, of course. And um, you know what also started a lot of that? What the movie incentive that existed for a while in Michigan? Well, yeah, there was that too. That was a big thing for there a while. There was a I whoever was governor at that time. I don't know if that was Granholm or anyway. They were doing a big tax break to anybody that wanted to start making movies in Michigan. Yeah. So there was a lot of stuff happening here, and then they just pulled it, just stopped, and said yeah. they didn't think it was bringing money. They didn't think it was helping. Yeah, I who knows. But I we don't crashed. Know. We crashed a few film sets. I mean, that didn't crash them. I mean, we were invited more or less, and you know, we had a lot of fun with that. That was we did a handful of shoots like that, and literally came there and drank beer in a garage in some guy's garage and got makeup put and on pizza. us and pizza. See, yeah, we you pizza. can pay me in food. <laughs> I accept that as a currency. So this is a cool project. Uh, we were really excited about yeah. this, and we're really excited that Francis is still working on this thing, and that. It, it, he he's seeing some light at the end of the tunnel here. Man, I know he's got a ton of work in front of him still, uh, but he's seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. So we really we're, had a good time talking to him tonight about this. Yeah, so head over to moralroad.com, search him, find him on Facebook, and follow the project. Get involved if you live in Michigan or elsewhere if you like to drive. Yeah, Check him out and enjoy our show with Francis J. Sampierre. Yeah, that you did. I wanted to lead the show off because in 2005, which I think it was maybe in September or October, our kind of first date when I drove three hours to see you across the state, yeah. we went legend tripping to Morrow Road. Yes, we did. Which is, I didn't, and of course, because I'm the male in this relationship, I forgot. No, I no. don't remember. Because we did. We, we did. did. We did. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> 
so I was football, like, football, great. beer, yay. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I didn't remember that. It's a while ago. And I remember cool. walking around this desolate road. There wasn't a lot of homes in the area. There was a spooky legend attached to it. I do remember feeling like a slight idiot because we were standing there on the side of the road. Yeah. And a couple cars pulled up to us and we're like, oh, you guys need help? We're like, no, no. No, no, we're just standing uh, here. We're just looking for ghosts. Yeah, we're just looking for stuff. (laughs) And they're like, ugh. Go away. Leave us alone. Drive off. So I, I, back in 2006... You yeah. and Doug had film ma- Michigan filmmaker Francis J. Sampier on the show yeah. to talk about his project, his movie project, Morrow Road, based on the legend that mm-hmm. Francis will be talking about with us tonight. Yeah. And I will have to say, Francis, you have tenacity because you have been working on this project for so long, and you have not let it go, and now you finally, I think, have some major steam and all kinds of fun stuff you're going to talk about. So w- welcome, yeah, welcome after 16 yeah. years. Yeah, welcome, welcome back. Welcome back Francis. to Ghostly Talk. Well, thank you, uh, Amber and Scott. It's a pleasure to be back. <laughs> so you started this project when? Yeah, exactly. It started in December 29th, 2004. Okay. okay. And what initially led you to explore this Michigan legend and turn it want to turn it into a movie? Okay. There's two answers, two part answers to that question. The first is the business side of it, which is that horror films sell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the second part will be why more wrote of all the horror films you could have done. Okay. Mm-hmm. So horror film, horror is the highest selling genre of all the other genres. And the reason that is, is because when you sell, when the distributor buys your film and they put it in all the territories, especially overseas, the horror translates the best because hmm. everybody understands run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when a little lesson there on, uh, you know, why horror, right? So in other words, it reduces the risk of investors to help ensure the movie's going to sell. That's how you get their money back and yeah. make them right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's why horror. Um, there are other reasons too. They can be uh, cheaper to make than some movies, that, you know. But uh, this one, I wouldn't really say <laughs> qualifies under that. That's a little more complicated. Okay, so why Moral Road? So uh, a great friend of mine, one of my best friends actually, Lucas Pels, back in the day, it was his idea to do more road, not mine. And um, we're both from Clay Township. Okay. Which is where the home of the legend is. And um, Luke, particularly though, lives or lived in the uh, parallel road right to the west of it on Starville. Mm-hmm. And so we, we many, many times, especially in the middle school years, it's sort of your rite of passage if you live around Clay Township. You must walk more road at night. And, and if you survive, you know, I guess, I guess that, that means uh, you've grown up, right? <laughs> so we had done it many, many, many times. So he said, why don't you do more road for a film? And a, kind of an, a fun known fact is I turned it down twice. I actually didn't think more road was a good idea for a movie uh, at first because it was so fragmented, right? There's so many different theories on what people think happened to the woman and child who did disappear in 1894. Okay. But how and why they disappeared is not known. So 
all these different theories. So I kind of thought, well, you're going to have to pick one of these theories, go with it. And the movie might be a whole 30 minutes long. Right. Right. Okay. So I didn't feel like it had substance, you know, it wasn't interesting enough. Uh, so he asked me a couple times. The third time he asked me something strange actually happened on my end and, and, and it wasn't on more road, <laughs> but it had to do with more road. And, um, I had, I had read a book about how to make sure your screenplays are very good, not just okay, but good, really great, actually. And so you kind of write down on these index cards uh, uh, thematic elements to the kind of movie you're doing. So in horror, it's fear. What what is what causes fear? You know, what uh, things can you write down that are elements? So like the dark, you know, or younger kids. <laughs> the younger they are in movies like that, the creepier right. they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So all these things I had written down. Uh, this was months before I had decided what movie to do, though. And oddly enough, I lived with my parents back then. I came home one night from work, and my dad had left the windows open because uh, he smoked. So he left the windows open, but he fell asleep on the couch. Keep in mind, this is like November, so it is freezing in the house, and the wind had picked up. Things blew all over the place. And basically that Lucas calls me up on the phone that night. And for the first hour, we talk about nothing, you know, and then finally I turn on the lights, you know what I mean? And he, he brings up, you should do more road for the third time. He says this. Hmm. Yeah. And I turn on the lights and all of those cards. Okay. For, for unknown reasons are downstairs on my parents' kitchen counter. This makes no sense. Right. I hadn't used them in two months. My mom is a clean freak. So if anything was on that counter that shouldn't have been, she would have, you know, moved it. So of all the nights, right, for my dad to leave his windows open, he never did it before and he never did it since. The wind picks up, puts blows them all over the counter. They are all face up. And hmm. he says, Well, it's about a woman at night only looking for a lost child. And I had all these elements on the table. Like, uh, you know, children or at the night. I even said women. And what I meant by women is I think on many horror films, if the woman is the one doing the killing, I think it's kind of creepier. Yeah. In movies like The Ring, you know, The Grudge. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, that's about a woman who at night searching for a lost child. It kind of had a lot of the elements. It had every every element I'd written down, all of them. So I looked around. I thought Luke was here playing a trick on me. But... I'm, you know, so he tells me, I'm like, tell me the legend again. And he says it to me again. I'm like, the only reason I'm even listening to you right now is because I feel like there's a ghost in my house, you know, telling me to do this. Right. Because this is really weird right now that all this stuff is blown up. So anyways, that is the real reason that I gave the movie more thought. Interesting. It's like, uh, it's like you've been called to do it. There's a sign there. Mm-hmm. I want to backtrack a little bit for listeners that have no idea what this legend is about. Can you give us a synopsis of what the usual traditional story told around Michigan is? Love to. So in, 18, in the late 1800s, a middle-aged woman and a four-year-old child, is for the most theories, disappeared. Okay. The people believed the woman was searching for the child, that the child had been missing for some time. And then they both disappeared. Okay. Now, cut to, you know, over, well over 100 years later, especially when people started moving into the road, you know, it became more uh, of a place to live as opposed to the cow path that, that it started as in the farm days. 
Um, people have seen, you know, you got claims that people who have seen the woman in a light blue robe searching for her lost child, which is believed to be a four-year-old boy. Some people see, say they hear the child. And actually, the number one claim people see are orbs or balls okay. of light of various colors, kind of four reported colors. Um, and you can kind of have combinations of reports of things like this. People say if you beep the horn three times, you're going to hear that child cry or possibly see the woman. They say she has bloody hands, okay, mm. which is in most reports, she always has bloody hands. Um, so in a nutshell, right, that's sort of the quick, what, what, what we call is the, uh, the, the elements of the, of the film, meaning there is this woman, there is this child, they somehow disappeared, they're somehow haunting to this day. So as a filmmaker and writer, I had to make a script that was like, well, why? Yeah. What happened that was so catastrophic, you know what I mean, that, you know, could have happened uh, to cause the uh, paranormal continuation, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when I started doing more research, this is when I learned there was really 10 categories of uh, what happened. In other words, there's kind of 10 categories that are different from each other on what people believed happened. So to answer your question, Amber, of those 10, the most widely believed theory is that she 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 basically took her eyes off the child, okay, and an innocent, you know, right. just didn't watch the child. The child wandered out of the house, and the nearby uh, creek, or or really it would be a drainage ditch, uh, the child drowned, and then and then so when she did find the child, and out of despair she hung herself at the bridge. So of the ten, that's by far the most believed version of what happened. The Unsolved Mysteries, the original show, when they portrayed Moro, that's the version they went with. Oh, and I even Channel. Mm -hmm. I did not know Unsolved Mysteries did that story. They did. It was one of those filler it. episodes. Huh. You know? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and the um, Channel 4 News with Carmen Harlan did a two-part series of it. And both of those, I recall being in middle school <laughs> uh, when that happened. You know, late or, or late 80s, I believe. Huh. So... Yeah, and then people, of course, who do paranormal investigations, as Scott no doubt knows, uh, Moore Road is an international sort of bucket list hotspot to go and check for readings and do yeah. all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. A lot of quotes, a lot of reports come out of Moore Road to this day. I know it drives the locals nuts. Oh, that's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, the kids especially, they're out there beeping their horn. Yep. Today today it's a culvert. You know, the road is very different. Mm -hmm. One thing I'll, I'll tell you that for those who really don't know about the legend, even the locals, there's actually several culverts on Moore Road. I want to say there's at least three. I think there's actually four. Um, there, it is a very specific spot, you know, where people say this happened. And it's the it's the it's the one near the sword out where there's an okay. intersecting road. Mm -hmm. It's the southeast corner sword out. There's a there's a culvert there. That's the one. Okay, uh, that is paved today. Clay Morrow Road spans Clay Township and Cotterville. So the part that Cotterville owns, or, or I should say, runs, is uh, the dirt part still. But that's not the haunted part, even though it kind of looks creepier now. Uh, the Clay Township side is far more wooded. Even though it's been more modernized, paved, and widened, it's still darker and, and creepier, especially at night. And um, so that's the where, the how, you know, that's where a lot of all the claims, when people say they see things, that's where they see them, not 
on the north side of the road. Do you know how far back in the decades this story's been told for? I do. Because I went uh, back when I started this, I interviewed around 100 people in various methods of various agents. And Morrow Road didn't really start to get, you know, um, people living on it, you know, until the late 50s. Okay. There were farms. There was always a farm, though, that had been there in a farmhouse, you know, for a long time. But as far as more people moving in there, right, start thinking the 50s. And, of course, it's gone up ever since. It was paved in the... Uh, the late nineties and um, you know, it's still, you know, going there. But so the, um, how far it goes back is moral road actually starts. If you talk to the uh, people who are old enough, I would say in their seventies on up, Okay, they'll tell you it was the moral road monster. Oh, I love stuff when it changes like this. Yes. Okay. It was a baby eating monster. Ooh, and I have ooh. never heard of this. Oh, my, fa- my favorite. Oh, fun. Right. And so I remember when the first person told me this, I'm like, is this person, you know, are they all mentally there? You know, like, how have I never heard this? Right. So but then almost everybody you talk to from that who was around back then, that's with a story. In fact, the non-believers think an owner left a donkey out. Okay, Uh, basically, they moved. They left the donkey. And so a lot of people would go down more road. More road was like the fun place to go to see if you could get your, your four wheel drive vehicle all the way through it back in the day. So okay. the local towing made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It was also make out road. Oh, okay. <laughs> so friends would plan like, Hey, my, I'm going to be making out my girlfriend tonight. Come up, come and scare the death out of her. Yeah. Or they just know their friend was going there tonight. So people would put on outfits and go out there and scare people. So imagine if you're going through the woods actually just trying to drive through you may have seen something yeah but it may not have been supernatural in that case it could have been someone playing a trick on somebody else yeah so clay township police have tons of reports and sort of misdemeanors you know of people screwing around on the road and private property yeah (laughs) naturally so here's what i find neat somehow in the 60s everything changes okay to the legend as you know it today it has not changed since it is suddenly a woman searching for her lost child. No more talk of a monster. Okay. So it's very interesting. And our film, by the way, has a theme. There's a point to our movie that is sort of about how things change over time. You know, so. Oh, I love that. So, yeah, I hope that answers, you know, it how does. far it goes back, what people used to think and what they think now. All those roads that were makeout roads always, I feel like, get a legend attached to them. <laughs> and it's either this reason, the reason so you can get like, you know, get your girl to come a little closer to you, put your arm around her. I'll protect you from the baby eating monster. Don't worry. Right? Come a little closer. Like I have so many stories from like the, and those around those times, like the sixties uh, about these make out roads with I never thought about legends. it that way. You don't? Dude, well, dude just made this stuff up to get their chicks yes, closer to them. Yes. <laughs> makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> so, Francis, when you were doing historical research, did I, I assume you were trying to find some type of crime or murder yeah. or death or something that could maybe go in time, just point to some origin to this story other than what we've talked about already. Did you find anything strange in the history of the area? 
So what I find strange is that you there's not a lot you can find. Okay. Here's why it's strange. I thought you're going to come into a, a story of, well, they didn't keep records yet or something, right? That is not true. When I did research on this, there's records as far back as the late 1600s. Wow. Okay. So in other words, when you die, there's a death certificate. Okay. That is not new. Uh, or when you move, you know, there, there, there usually is some kind of a record of it. Um, I can sort of understand moving stuff, maybe not being around anymore. But death certificates are something that goes back a long, long way. So when you go back and, and you look into all this, there is no record of what happened to them, which is strange. Now, a non-believer could simply say, somebody dropped the ball. It's that simple. They moved, right? Wasn't recorded or since then has been lost. Right. Okay. And it's that simple. Okay. And like I said, somebody left the donkey out triggered this whole legend <laughs> right nothing nothing's yeah, real okay. right so we actually tip our hats to that even in the movie you know there's a scene in we have a donkey in the movie and it's for that reason it's kind of fun <laughs> um it'd be one of those you know behind the scenes interviews where i explain why that matters but um as far as like trying to find evidence right so more road is interesting because it is a legend by definition but many of us including me we we misuse the term legend Okay. A legend is originally, from what I was told, and people who are big time in this, it's supposed to mean something that cannot be proven or disproven, where myth is fake and truth is fact. Morrowed is a legend by definition. Was there a woman and child? Yes. Right? Did they disappear? We don't know. Yeah. So if we're in court sort of arguing these stories, right, you've got a little bit of evidence showing this, but you don't got enough evidence showing that it's supernatural. Okay. Um, so I, I thought, I thought that was interesting. I'm like, well, why is it missing? Like what, what, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's, it was interesting to me that it was missing, you know? So kind of back to my original issue I had, remember before doing the movie, it was, it's such a fragmented story. Mm -hmm. How do we fill in those gaps in a movie, you know, and yet please everybody. So I'm pleased to tell you that, Moore Road has all 10 theories in it. So whatever you heard, you're going to see it play out in this movie. Uh, we have a really cool format where, where the character, the main character of the movie throughout the film say, well, I heard that this happened. And as they tell you the version, we cut to the 1800s and we show it. Cool. But, okay. but then later in the movie, someone says, no, 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 no. I heard that this happened. Boom. You're going to see it. Okay. I get so that. So it's a puzzle yeah. from the movie. Yeah. You got to figure out what really happened. And we do tell you at the end of the movie which is, you know, it's not like a Japanese anime where it ends and you have no idea what happened. Right. Mm -hmm. I assume people, because you're the go-to guy for this legend, I assume people throughout the years here have shared many, many paranormal experiences with you. What what typical experiences do people have on the road that you think are, are genuine and not just people freaking themselves out? That's well-worded, Amber, because I have definitely had people where I think they're just trying to get attention. Yeah. You can just tell when you meet them in person or even speak over the phone, you just kind of, you know, their acting isn't so hot. Being a director, <laughs> I'm pretty good at detecting yeah. acting, right? But <laughs> I have absolutely met people who definitely believe what they're telling me, for sure. Okay, for sure. Um, there's people who are terrified. I remember a woman named Mary Lewis, who was actually also interviewed on Channel 4's report, she'll never go down that road again. 
You know, she's terrified of that. So I've seen both sides of it, right? Or sometimes I'll see stories where they're telling me the story and I believe it, but I also kind of believe maybe some drugs were involved. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, you might have seen something, okay. Especially in the 60s. Yep, yep. <laughs> but um, so it's a little bit of everything. But to answer your question, I would say the number one thing seen is orbs. That huh. that's the that's more reports of lights than anything. And then I would say number two nowadays is hearing, you know, the, the child cry. Most believe it was a boy. Um, there is a version of the theory where it's where the child's an infant, just so you know, and it's a very popular version too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, most of the theories it's a four-year-old boy. One of them he was two, and one of them he or a couple of them, I believe he's an infant. But um yeah, so, but seeing the woman, right, it's, everybody says she's wearing a light blue robe, like a night type robe, you know, every time. Uh, and then some people say they get the handprints on their windows, or they've seen the hands hit the windows, and they're always bloody. And our movie does explain this. We do keep her with the bloody hands, and we explain why they're bloody. So it's, okay. it's interesting. So I would say orbs are the most reported thing, and then sounds sounds of hearing the baby or a child and then of course the woman herself that's the only thing i can report from there um from the hand you know the times i went there which was a lot back in the day um we did have one night i don't know if you were there or not amber i was just there that one time it may have been after it may have been before we met um i did see something off in the distance i remember we were on the road and we were looking off into the woods um and we did see an orange colored thing something orange color i remember and it was it was it was orb like i can't i'm not going to say it was an orb i'm was not going to say in the sky or no, like it was in... it was like right in our line of sight oh, okay but that could have been a lot of things there was houses all around there it could have been a light coming from something there's a lot of you know a lot of explanations but it's the one thing that we watched for a while yeah and the thing was is that it moved around a little bit huh. it didn't move around a lot but it moved around you know where it was it was making some kind of movement right yeah. um whether it was some kid with a with a light pen sitting back in the woods laughing his ass off, I have no ideas. But uh, you know, I, I don't know. But it was the only thing I would consider anomalous that we experienced. You know, that we you know me and the group of people I was with, which was one of those was Doug uh, at the time. Did uh, anyone hear anything like a baby crying? No, we don't. Think, I don't remember hearing anything. What spooks me out about the baby crying thing is recently we've had on the show. Um, discussions about Bigfoot and monsters and that they can do this thing called mimicry and make the sound of a human baby to lure people because that's going to be something that a human responds to. If you hear a human baby, we're not going to be like, oh, what, there's a baby out in the woods? Let's not check that out. (laughs) So it's like that's kind of creepy in itself that something could be using that sound to lure you and also, the theme of seeing orbs and ghostly lights along roads and in the woods runs like throughout the world, especially with ghostly roads. And I know there's a nearby road, Francis. I don't know if you're familiar with Denton Road. I am. So Denton Road, I, it's not a, it's not super similar, but you have a woman that is running away from an abusive husband, and she has a child. And he supposedly chases her after catching her with, like, another guy. Like, there's some, of course, different versions of this story, like any of these legends. And she runs and hides under a bridge. 
and then gets killed somehow. And the yeah. baby's missing. And then people continue to see this ghostly woman or these lights, and they say it's the woman searching for her baby. Yeah. And in with this legend, I'm forgetting, I think it was... What is the college over there? Because that's Denton Road. I don't know if that's the U of M or it might be Eastern Michigan University students. I'm totally blanking on which one. I was Eastern. It might be, yeah, Eastern. Yeah. So the sorority, not the sorority, the uh, frat guys mm-hmm. would drop their pledges out in the fields on Denton Road and give them a lantern and say, okay, you got to find your way through the cornfields back. You know, if you get back, you're good. And people then would drive down Denton Road and see this weird light going through the cornfields and go, oh, my God, like, it's a ghost or it's like a UFO. And really, it's a idiot pledge mm-hmm. walking through the cornfield, like, trying to figure out how to get back to the school. Mm-hmm. And then there was another case in the 60s where a couple of friends would drive up and down the road with a lantern hanging out of their car, like, freaking people mm-hmm. out. And then these stories start. But then you get these people that go, no. I heard these stories, but I still witnessed something strange high in the sky or floating above the road that I can't explain. I know it wasn't a person. So this so this intermixing of what's true and what's not and what people admit. And I, I just find that f- so fascinating about, about legends in general. You know, Amber, it's funny. Two things to tell you. First, to make a comment off what you just said. The opening quote of our movie is a, is a famous saying from Sarah Bernhardt. And it's sort of the thesis of our movie. And it says, uh, legend remains victorious in spite of history. Mm, I love that. Right. So that's how our movie is going to open. I can tell you that. Um, But another kind of funny story is uh, from roughly, I think it was 2015 throughout all 2017, maybe even some of 2018. I had briefly moved from living around here where the legend is to Canton. Um, oh, and I literally no, lived yeah. on the corner of okay. Denton. There you go. Yeah. Denton and Cherry Hill. And someone ends up telling me about Denton Road. I'm like, really? I move all the way out here and there's another haunted road? What are the odds? What are the odds? Yeah. <laughs> but that's how I heard about Denton Road. Huh. I lived, you know, practically on it. So. That's a, if that isn't just another sign. Like you get you talk, weird. Yeah. You talk about this night with your dad and the window being open and the cards like. You know, basically, right? like, and then this, you move to the other popular haunted road in Michigan. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. That's so weird. Wow. Huh. Did you ever experience anything on the road or notice anything? Not on, other than traffic. Oh. oh. Uh, not so much on <laughs> Denton Road. Huh. You know, um, you know, but I wasn't really, I, it took me a while before I heard about it. Yeah. So I wasn't actually looking either. Oh, that's wild. No, I didn't. So you've been at this for so long. I really wanted to ask you this question because when you started this project, movie making especially, it has changed dramatically from what you could do in 2004 on your own versus what you can do now. now. Your equipment, people can make decent looking movies on their phones. Yeah. Something we didn't even think about, like in two thousand four and below already, that. Yep. You know, that was a Star Trekian dream to think I could have a device in my hand that could film movies. Well, we and, have tricorders now. We literally have tricorders yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, and then YouTube, and then how to distribute the movie on your own and get it out there. The the smaller people don't necessarily need Hollywood anymore. What are your thoughts on how that this whole process has changed since you've been in it? So. It, it, things have certainly evolved uh, from the first rendition of the film to what it is now. 
So what I phrase it in, in terms of business is we call it the business model, right? So the business model of the film is what has changed on us several times over these years, okay? And um, what hasn't changed, what I've kept intact is the script, okay? I have never changed this script because we're afraid, well, let's cut this scene because, you know, it's too hard to shoot. Never, 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 never. I, I have, one thing I'm proud of is I have always defended the script because, of course, there's people we've partnered with in the past or, you know, kind of felt out, you know, who ended up being, say, fraudulent, you know, and of course, they just, well, yeah, let's cut the budget by, you know, getting rid of about half the movie, mm. you know, and then because they think they knew what they were doing, they think they were clever. Yeah. When they were just trying to make the job easier on them. Right. So we've ne- we've kept everything in the film. So technology would be the first thing that's changed. Right. Like you said, what you can do with uh, things is amazing. Um, filmmakers, it's funny, they always get annoyed. Um, when they hear people say you can shoot a movie with a phone, because <laughs> you really can't. You can if you have the world's best lighting guy. <laughs> right, yeah. Right? And you don't do anything with it. But but you're right. Um, it is true. Don't get me wrong. And I know if I would have been growing up now, of course, that's what we would have we been doing. Oh, yeah. Is using the phones. Because if you take your time, you, you can make some amazing things happen even with a phone. Well, Certainly. One, one, Francis, not to cut you off, but it's one thing I just thought about this, though, too. I mean... With the technology that's out there now and with the way that I'm really I don't want to sound like get off my lawn, Karen guy, but um, with the way that media is presented now in, 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 in mass quantities. And I've said this, well, you know, we can step back even to music, which is, you know, I'm pretty, pretty sharp with that. When the MP3 came out and the odd mm-hmm. Vorbis came out, and all these all these compressed file formats, for example, came out. Um, the audio files were sitting there screaming their heads off going, no, this is a compressed audio file. This is, it, it's compressed. It's not full fidelity. You're not That's getting right. everything that the, you know, that the, that the artist and the engineer and the producer and everybody who was a part of this wanted you to hear what came out of the amplifiers, what came out of all the, whatever instruments were being played, right? You're only right. getting a piece of that. However, the argument was always with them. Well, you know, the human ear can only hear so many, you know, so many decibels down. So you're getting, you're getting, you're getting the idea. Right? right, and you can also download it in a couple of seconds, right? If, if you if you had the right equipment at the time, so people got used to that, and that's something over the years with music and sound that people just kind of got used to um, the idea of degraded audio to a certain degree. It's good enough to listen to in my car or on my my phone or whatever my whatever I have, right? Um, of course, right. you know the whole other side argument is now music. That's changing now too. People are going back to listening to records and and physical media again. But that's a whole different yeah. argument. But the point is, is that for a time there, people accepted less. Yes. And I think, well, on that side, it's changing. On the side of of film, of visual arts, let's say, right? Um, People, I, I think how it's presented, I mean, look, I mean, and like Amber said, she did say that and I did say it too. Like, well, you can make a movie with a phone. Huh? And you're right. I mean, there's a lot more that goes into that. Yeah. We, we both know that, right, Francis? So, but I think the way with, you know, with streaming media, with people, I mean, look, let, let's, let's be frank. Some of the biggest entertainers out there started themselves on YouTube, sitting there literally talking about 
about bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I don't really know. I mean, literally sitting there going, well, this is what I mean. These are people. They're just and they're brilliant. I'm not knocking them. Right. I mean, I've seen some of the some of these people start their starts and well, where they're at and now. It's become more and more simplified with uh, medium like TikTok, and you have your videos. Even so less you, and it's less. like three seconds yeah. and you do something I mean, it's like but, a minute. So I guess the whole point of all that. Right. Is that media has really and I don't want to say dumbed down, but people have accepted just the way they did. You know, fifteen years ago, with 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 music, or even longer than that, they've accepted less. I think. I think people don't accept. The, you know, people don't want as much quality. They want just to experience something and move on, right? They, they want experience something, move on. And I think that higher standard may not be there, right? So, to that point, yeah. I mean, what the hell was my point? I don't know, Scott. God, what's wrong with me? I'm so old and dumb. I, no, I know. <laughs> No, but there, but there is that, right? Because you were talking. Well, no, that's what that's what made me think about that. Because you did say that, you know, yeah. If you do have the greatest lighting person in the world, yeah. you can you can make a movie with phones, right? But I don't. I think that people don't think of they. Well, and and the, and the automation and things that happen now, they they solve okay. so many little problems for us, like lighting, for sure. example, right? And I think, and to my point, too, mentioning how media has changed so much in, in this in the past 15, 20 well, and years. That's the belly of these comments. There's, there's also, also been a lot of bad content dumped on the internet. People, people who think they're filmmakers, and they're like, "Well, yeah, I, I you know," and they. It oh, just, we've seen them. Don't worry. There's a lot of bad, con- <laughs> especially within the paranormal. There's a lot of people that mimic a lot of the TV shows, and they go out there. And oh, they, that's, they, that's, a, that's a that's a fifty. That's been going on for a long time. We can go on about that. So yeah. yeah. So I, okay, let's bring it back around to Francis here and yeah. say, Francis, how well, are yeah, you going to shoot I, this the traditional way? What what's going to be your method of creating this movie? That's what I. That's kind of what I wanted okay. to get at with Francis okay. here. Thank you for <laughs> yes. thank you thank You're you welcome. for bringing it back. <laughs> go go ahead, Francis. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Um, so the answer is this is going to be very professional. Um, there, there are movies there are. It's never just the camera, right? It's the motion, it's the music, it's the lighting, it's mood, everything. Yeah. It's the acting. Yeah. It's every everybody is a part of a chain, as I say. And the weakest link will snap your movie if anything is not good. Mm-hmm. So you could have the best director and the and the greatest lighters and the best cinematographer, and one bad actor can throw the whole movie yeah. for a loop. Okay, and so. What, what I will say is people are not as forgiving on movies as they are with music, okay? If you see a bad effect, something that looks corny. Let's oh, say yeah. That's to, true. You don't forgive it like you do with, with MP3's rotten quality of music, right? Yeah. 100% So a movie, it's like, that's it, I'm done. They might, you know, skip, you know, we're not even going to finish this on Netflix or whatever, however they're watching it, right? Yeah, yeah. Depends. Yeah. Now, if you're looking for bad movies, you know, YouTube is the, you know, black hole of, <laughs> you know, useless content. I'm actually not a big YouTube watcher. I hate it. But, um, you know, I want to watch something that's been made by people who've really put a lot of thought into what they're making, which YouTube isn't necessarily always. Now, like you said, there are these great people who make things. And you know what? They spend a lot of time doing oh, it. Oh, some right. of the stuff I'm it. seeing, honestly, and not not to cut you off again, Francis, but mm-hmm. I've seen some of the stuff. Because I watch, like, I, you know, I like watching documentaries here and there, right? Yeah. And there's all kinds of content on YouTube that's, you know, whether it's archive stuff that, that that's, that's, you know, that's uh, would be public domain, that they can post up there, right? Um, right. Or people who have their channels um kyle hill for example he's a guy who's really into science and nuclear energy and he talks about all kinds of crazy wild science stuff i love the guy he's a guy with the hair amber 
He's I, got with right. I think documentary style though is one of the more simple but, methods. Well, to, Kyle, I mean, to do something yeah. okay. But that guy, for example, I mean, his stuff is very well produced. He puts a lot of time into it, and it's really, really entertaining. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's a, that's an example of what I was what I was leaning yeah. towards. But yeah, I mean, you are right. I it know, is I, a black I, hole of useless, of, of useless content. content. I love that. That's, that's <laughs> very true. Yes. I mean, you know, it, you can, and I can see how people can be addicted to it. You know, <laughs> it, just, it never ends. Um, but. You know, films like, you know, high-end production films, the kind of movie we're doing where you've got investors and there's really money being put into it. Yeah. So that all of those filmmaking talents are really converging to tell the story. Um, like I said, people are not forgiving on visuals. No, they're not. And if anything, because effects, for example, have gotten so much better as time has gone on and people are watching the big movies, constantly right you're it, it it's really raises the bar on what people expect you, any movie to look like and that's hard when you don't have a lot of money and you're going to use effects and things like that which mm. of course more road has you know so um yeah so i'm trying to remember uh the question you asked amber um, well, it, to... more or less the idea yeah we we, we went way in the weeds we did so and that's fine but no what amber really made you know Filmmaking, filmmaking has changed yeah. a lot and, over the last 15 years. You know, and, go ahead, Amber. But you guys, are you using digital? Are you being old-fashioned and using film? Yeah. So we are, def- we are using digital. Okay. I think we're going to be shooting in 8K on this particular okay. project. Um, we're using Hollywood-level, you know, anamorphic cine lenses, same lenses, you know, uh, types of lenses, I should say, that you're watching when you watch a Marvel movie or something okay. like that. Mm-hmm. Um so there's there's always your lens and then there's your camera, right? Two different things that both matter dramatically, and um, and of course, like I said, the motion of the equipment. You know, we've got robotics gear that I own that we'll be using. Um, our DP has all kinds of excellent motion gear and, and lighting uh, packages and all the things that matters. Our film has over half of our movie is a night time, so that means it's a a gaffer's dream come true. I was gonna say it's a whole different challenge right there. <laughs> Yeah, it's we're on location for more than half the movie, so we really are in the woods, which means you got to film at night. So your camera might be rolling. Say we're shooting September and October, you're going to be rolling from, you know, as soon as it gets dark, the camera should be rolling. So maybe eight nine p.m. to six in the morning. So it's you know strange hours. Yep. Um, Not all of our movie, you know, is outside. We have sets we're building. We're we're building a sets in my backyard. We're you know, uh, uh, there's four sets of four. Yeah, four sets total, I believe, in the movie being constructed, including mm-hmm. a covered bridge. Um, all kinds of great things that we have to do to, you know, really recreate the 1800s because these things aren't just laying around out here in perfect shape. Uh, as Even if they're around, they're dilapidated, old or something, right? Which sometimes we need in a movie too. So, um, but yeah, from, from a filmmaking standpoint, uh, Moral Road it's it was never easy because you're dealing with these different time periods you know and you got to have the costumes and you got to have like i said the sets or the locations things should be historically accurate you know mm-hmm. um so but we're you said but we're doing it and, it, and it's, it's very exciting uh tell us about getting brian hillard involved and who he is okay so brian hillard is an, a legendary effects makeup uh, artist so brian himself has worked on and i would say 
you know, uh, the bulk of his career has been on larger union project films. So he did like uh, the effects makeup for uh, Underworld Evolution, you know, Spielberg's mm-hmm. War of the Worlds. I love that movie. He's done Zathura, you know, he did um, the, the Mangler Reborn. Um, he's worked on X-Men 3, I believe. He did the first five seasons. He was one of many who worked on The Walking Dead. I was going to say, <laughs> Walking Dead was the, the big one. that. Yeah, you know, that's a big, big. And, and, yeah. and that's a TV show whose, whose visual effects and makeup effects are flawless. They were really right? good. That's yeah. the one thing that show definitely did perfectly. So, he, but Brian has also done smaller movies of course when they're smaller we don't know about them as much and what i didn't know was back when we had the business model of trying to go large-scale union you know that's how i met brian he was going to be our lead effects makeup artist then now when we went decided to go non-union a few years back i just figured well he's out you know what i mean because now we're doing you know local and everything here in michigan again and so on and so forth and brian I think used to live in California and all over the place. Well, I found out this past January, uh, my production manager and marketing manager, Brian Anger, you know, a good friend of mine, mm-hmm. he said, uh, Hey, did you hear that Brian Hillard's coming to the Michigan? Uh, I think it was called the motor city legacy okay. Horror convention. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Been there before. Yeah. And so I said, really? Well, we have to go see him because all the hours of, phone calls I've had with him and the bid breakdown. I never actually met the man. Mm. So I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to just blindside him. I'll, I'll email him, tell him I'm coming. And then in his response, he says to me, did you know I moved to Michigan? Oh, cool. Convenient. Years ago. Huh. And he lives on the West side, you know, near, near Holland. And I'm like, uh, what? That's like where I'm from. Really? Yeah. I'm yeah. From, so, yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, you know, and I've been making horror films throughout COVID. We did three of them huh. here in Michigan. And I'm like, what? No, how have I not heard what? I was shocked. So when I met him, uh Brian and I, Brian Anger and I, when we met Brian Hillard, you know, he was great as I always knew he would be. And we told him what we're doing. We hadn't figured out exactly what we were doing yet though this year, right? Mm-hmm. Just trying to work a way to do it. So he mentioned something to me about the cost of these movies he was working on. And so the convention wasn't the place to do it. So I asked him you know, hey, can I drive out and meet you one day? Let's go to lunch. And I want, you know, see if you can answer some of my questions here. So long story short, after doing that, I learned techniques on how to produce the movie for less, cool. but yet not lose the quality. Mm-hmm. And then he also gave me the kick in the butt I needed, you know what I mean, to just do it. He's yeah. like, I, he, he's like, you keep like, wait, you're trying to wait till you have all the money, you know, and then go. He's like, I'm telling you now, you just got to go. And then the money is going to come. Right. He's like, yeah. I know it sounds doesn't sound, you know, yeah, smart. He's like, but, you know, and he, he detected out of me. I'm the logical kind of person, which is true. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, but um, I'm telling you, you've got a, quite a bit of money you've raised so far. You've got a heck of a following. You've got people ready to go. Just announce it, do it and get get yeah. it started. I, I have <laughs> to point this out also. Um, he also was the mold technician for No Country for Old Men. Oh, yes. look out. I just jumped on the IMDb page One of page Scott's favorite yeah. all-time movies. Yeah, so I'm, now I'm officially freaking out. So that's oh. pretty awesome. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's the awesomest Probably my favorite movie. movie he's worked on. That movie is completely insane. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's done a lot. You look up his IMDb. The Village. Part. He did The Village also. He was a makeup, he makeup effects lab. 
Uh, That's yeah. one of Shyamalan's movies I do like. He was uncredited, though, but yeah, he's he's listed on The Village. Yeah, it's one of, M. M. Night Shyamalan. I can't. I always screw it up. Shyamalan. <laughs> so, yeah, this dude's heavy. This that, this dude's heavy. That's exciting. He, he's heavy, for so real. He, yeah. he signed on We after this talk. Now, a few months later, this would have been this past, I want to say, May mm-hmm. uh, or maybe late, early June uh, as a not only as doing our makeup effects, but also also to help produce. So he has started. He's got a team of, if you include him, he's got a team of five. They're already doing the prosthetics for the film. Oh, wow. Already started. Uh, our the, the actress, Marley Arnold, who's playing our ghost, you know what I mean, is 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 within the next, I believe, week, going to have the, uh, the body cast done, you know, or they... Mm-hmm. I'm actually not sure how it works. I think you you lay in a big latex oh, yeah. tub or whatever yeah. it's made out of, and they they basically get the mold of her face and her hands and her feet and all these great things they have to do. That people have no idea how much time and effort goes into you know making this stuff before the camera even rolls. Look yeah. at him. Here we are in in July, and he's working on. It. And I've always felt like genuine effects do so much better yeah, practical effects look way than cooler. I mean, cgi i mean cgi's come a long way from right. back in the day but it just doesn't be really good i agree well i mean i just finished why and i'm, I'm gonna try to, i'm not doing too good going into the weeds tonight obviously <laughs> so i'm gonna try to keep this one pulled back i just watched um <laughs> Uh, I, I just watched uh, John Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy, which I talk about a lot with people. It's one of my oh. favorite things. Uh, it's a here's you know, remake of The Thing, and then Prince of Darkness, one of my all time favorite horror movies and sci fi movies too. Uh, and, and then In the Mouth of Madness, right? And those movies were all practical effects, especially right. The Thing. And that was um oh I've, now of course I'm going to forget his name who who did the special effects on there. He's world he's world renowned. Also, I should know his name. Um, but those effects, I know you've seen The Thing, Francis. That, that oh yeah, Carpenter's the thing that movie looks it, it holds up today and it's so terrifying and so scary to look at because you're in the right headspace for that too the movie puts you in the right headspace so those effects even though they look real um well, one they, of the reasons i'm very mm-hmm. familiar with the thing is because dean cundy the Jurassic park cinematographer mm-hmm. is the one who shot the thing okay and he did almost he did most of John Carpenter's early works, including Halloween, which is what launched his career. Okay. And Dean Cundy is our visual consultant for Moral Road. Weird. He's someone who gives out. us advice and has helped us. We wanted to have him as our cinematographer, but he's not available this fall when we're shooting because he's shooting something else. Huh. So, but he's someone I know uh, for advice, and he's such a great guy. He's awesome. You know, he gets the movie. He just he could do any movie he wants, right? He did all the Back to the Futures, Apollo 13. He just did some of the episodes of the Book of Boba Fett. I mean, he's a legend. But it stems from horror movies because he did Carpenter's The Thing, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, I think he did The Fog. Um, the Fog was beautiful. Yeah, the thing is my favorite beautiful. horror yeah. movie, though, that Dean Cundy ever did. Most people say Halloween, but I actually like The Thing a lot more than Halloween. Um and, you know, and of course, Jurassic Park. Well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's my all-time favorite film. But you know what I mean? Like, there's, you know, obviously a different caliber of film there. But um, he he's just done so many amazing things, but he gets horror. You know, he gets yeah. how to film things so that they look uh, at their absolute maximum. Yeah. You know, 
And it just it just looks. I mean, again, it just looks different. And, and, and as Amber said too, and I know a lot of people have the same. They have the same argument with that. I mean, and yeah, CGI has come a very long way too. And there's some really amazing looking stuff I've seen. However. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oat Studios, those people are completely out of their minds. They do some of the most amazing looking stuff, but still, you can still tell that it's it's synthetic. It's synthetic. It's not it's not a prop. It's not a, it's not a model or something like that, right? Gotcha. And, and I still uh, into the void. You know, now we're talking movies here, but <laughs> into the void's a recent movie uh, in the last maybe five or six years. That their whole idea. I don't know if you've seen it or not, Francis, but it's a horror flick. It's a pretty heavy duty horror flick. Uh, but they went for that idea. They're like, we're using nothing but practical effects on this movie. And it came out absolutely wondrous. It's fantastic. It looks really cool. Um, so there's people that are, you know, really locking into that idea, I think. They're, you know, they're kind of coming back to that idea of practical effects and, and that they do have a use still in cinema. And I think some people, prefer, I mean, a lot of, I know I prefer it, frankly. Right. Well, and I think it comes back to the conversation you had earlier about, you know, the, the old school real you know or higher quality in other words that compared to the new you know people are kind of maybe some people are getting tired of digital you know or cgi um i yeah. agree with you guys cgi has its place and yeah. often hollywood movies often just run to it when they don't have to and that always makes me mad when i watch bigger movies yeah. look, look at that movie that just came out pretty recently with harrison ford with the dog you know the husky or whatever that i watched I'm, it in theaters I'm i hated it, it. Really? hated it Right, that dog was fake. Period. Oh, CG you know? dog. Oh, they CG'd everything, even if he was just sitting there hmm. on a leash. And I'm just like, what are you guys thinking? You know, now maybe it was a test to see how much how can you do it. And I, I would say the answer is no, based right. on that. Movie. But then you, but you watch movies like Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. and Gollum is perfect. Yeah, I, so I think, it can be done. And I think CGI works better with things that aren't real. To us, like right. Gollum being this this monster, this creature, or movies like Jurassic Park where you, we have to CGI dinosaurs. We can't, you know, get a real one. So I think it works like that because our brains don't know what that looks like to begin with. So we can't say right. wrong, wrong. Unlike when we see a face, like in the movie. When did it, that was the first movie I'd seen this done in? Um, it was the um, oh gosh, Scott, help me out. The Disney movie Tron, Tron, the second Tron, the second, the, new the Tron, second yeah. Tron, and you have um. The dude, I'm, my brain is fried tonight. The dude, what's the dude's name? What's that actor? The dude, uh, Jeff Bridges. Thank you. Jeff Bridges, they CGI'd him. There's a beverage here, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> and to make <laughs> him tooth. look younger, and it, and then they CGI'd him as yeah. Clue. And his face just looked goofy. And it it, it, it was fine, but like the whole time I was like, Ugh, it, like you, it, it's the, a bit cringy. It looked wrong. It didn't look right. right. Mm. And that's because it's a human. So my brain says, right. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think. You know, go ahead. I, 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 one thing I, I gotta tell you that's a fun fact. Uh, some, if you know about Jurassic Park, you know, they're only the original Jurassic Park. Many of the dinosaur scenes are not CG, and that's why it still holds to this you day. Know, I, I, yeah. Just so you know, I can tell you, I'm the biggest nerd on that movie ever. Mm. And they, that T Rex busting out of the fence. That looks good. But that's because they built it. Stan Winston built it. Yeah, it walked. It, it did everything. It's amazing. There are moments where they add CG, but like when that foot steps in the mud, they that's real. Okay, you know okay. I mean? And I the do remember. Thing, yeah, they changed. They changed a couple things in the movie when um, 
I can't think of his name right now. I think it's Dennis Murin who really took started getting CG. He's like, take a look at what these movies are doing now, right? Like The Abyss and stuff. And he showed them, I think we can turn these dinosaurs into CG. So once Spielberg saw the test results, they added, he changed the entire ending of the movie. So the ending of Jurassic Park is fully CG, right? The two raptors and the T-Rex and the all the bones, all yeah. the museum. And uh, even that the Gallimimus stampede was added, which had to be CG. Yeah. Right. But there's a lot of it, you know, the Brachiosaurus walking with CG, you know. And so that's a great movie that had a blend. And and when people say, you know, the first one still looks the best, yeah. it does. It's, that's why. <laughs> and, and that's true. I forget that they use so many animatronics in that movie. And that really is why. Because I'll say that to people. It I'm like, that's, cool. that movie still holds it's up. Cool I say the same movie. thing. Yeah. Now, yeah. Francis, you have some exciting news that you want to drop on the show tonight. Yes. What is it? So, um, so first of all, I'm, might be. So we are obviously starting the movie. It's happening. It's mm-hmm. coming. Uh, production begins September sixth. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, just yesterday, I actually locked in a cinematographer who had some big shoes to fill. Obviously, have you heard? So his name is uh, Dylan Sides, and Dylan is uh, a Michigan native, I believe. Uh, certainly lives downriver mm-hmm. and he's done a lot of amazing visuals. I was studying his visuals long before I met him. And then I actually went on a production he's shooting right now uh, in Luna Pier, Michigan yesterday and got to meet him and some of his crew and just see how they do things. And cool. super excited. Uh, or I was super excited, I should say, and very professional. And, and I guess got off the phone with him before starting tonight's show here with you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, how we're going to be doing this movie and um, sort of the collaboration that's happening already is, is phenomenal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, we also, we've raised 40% of our budget so wow, far. Yay. It's great. You know, we got a, it's a lot happening. We've done it with people who do what's called deferring, which is they get paid when the movie sells. So they have to really believe in the project, obviously to work on it. And then we also have raised money, you know, and so that's going real well. We've got it set up now where we need help from everybody now is, you know, uh, we need to spread the word of people who are interested in investing in a film. It's a minimum of a thousand dollars. You don't have to be you mm-hmm. know, loaded to invest in a movie. And um, how can people uh, how can people do that? Is there somewhere they can go? Obviously, on the Web, is there a website they can go to to uh, get more information on this? There is. It's MoralRoad.com. It's like the word tomorrow without the T-L. So M-O-R-R-O-W dot um, start over m-o-r-r-m-o-r-r-o-w-r-o-a-d.com and when you click anywhere on that picture to enter the site you click get involved and you can click invest it tells you some stuff or you you can just contact me and you click connect and And email me and say i'm interested and give me your phone number and we'll talk and are you still looking for extras or any type yes. of miscellaneous actors so people in michigan if you uh how can they get involved with that if yes. they want to participate say, is it the same way yeah it is the same way but uh <laughs> when you go when you go on the website and you click get involved you're going to see a lot of things one of them says audition okay so we've already done our public auditions and we've got most of our cast but not everybody including the lead right now is missing we need a uh, a female who looks like she's around 25 and it's the starring role of the film okay um we also have another major character named ryan that i'm looking for we're kind of preferring that he's uh african-american for the role but anybody can audition mm-hmm. the other thing that's smart about auditioning for us and you simply 
we give you the character description and their bio on the website. Um, so you can, and then you submit a video to us. The faster you do it, the better your odds are of getting in. However, we, we look at all auditions. We have a lot of minor roles in the movie that are not listed online. There's over 20. Okay. And so you're not just auditioning for that one part, which is why you should audition, even if you think you're not right for the role, you know, because we might think you're right for something else. We also keep you on file for future projects. We need props. When people click on get involved, you'll see props. There's a downloadable PDF of all these things we need help with borrowing because we're still low budget, mm-hmm. right? We need help. The community is the only way this movie is going to happen. The number one concern I have right now that I think only the community can save us is we have an 1800s festival scene. Think like Back to the Future Part 3. Okay. You know, when the Doc's hat yeah. gets shot off, right? Yep. He's, they're at some big festival, right? So we're filming this in my backyard and it's like, well, in order to make it look like a festival, you kind of have to have, you know, maybe 50 people. (laughs) Okay. And, but they got to be dressed in 1889 appropriate attire. And we got to find the cosplay players, you know, people who have this stuff because we can't afford to even get that. You get that one dude that has a Nike swish underneath his like leather vest and someone's going to call. Yeah, it's done. It's over. (laughs) Yep. Did you know there's animation in this movie? No. We had to animate out the logo. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So absolutely, you know, um, some people, though, live for this stuff. They're awesome. That's how they can help be in the movie. Because if not, we, we, although we're paying actors in this movie, we're not paying extras in this movie. Sure. You know, so that's a scene. We need help. We're going to be begging and pleading. Obviously, we'll be feeding them. And at least, you know, we're not totally gorilla. But um that's one scene, but there's another scene in the movie too. That's also a party modern day one where, you know, it's pretty easy for anybody um, who's age 17 or higher to, they can, you know, uh, we're going to have a thing online soon on our Facebook page. So facebook.com slash moral road. Mm. That's actually where we do the most news updates is Facebook. Awesome. So awesome. that's definitely something people should like. And you'll, yeah. you'll hear a lot more on Facebook versus our other you know, our little TikTok and Twitter, we don't update as much. Facebook is the big one. Yeah. Well, so that's, wh- and that's how they can get involved on that end. Uh, as far as crew, we're almost, we've almost got everybody. Almost. I'm still looking for hair. Okay. Uh, we have 12 days where we need someone who does hair and because of those 1800 scenes. And, um, and then last people who don't, who can't invest, but want to help out in other ways they can donate donate is right on the moreroad.com main page you'll see a donate button on the bottom they can choose to remain anonymous and we just started this and people are starting to donate Fantastic. it's really cool to see the community come together it's amazing no that's so cool it's, it i i i everybody out there there's i know there's a lot of michigan listeners to this show and their ears are probably popping if up you want to, to be part of this movie yeah. if you have maybe listened to ghostly talk and remember francis on way back in 2006 and want to go you know damn it i this guy's still doing it like i said he's got tenacity like get out there and throw a buck or two at him whatever you can it's i i think like you said it takes a community to, to really put stuff like this together especially when you're on a lower budget uh, so, yeah, right. check out moralroad.com. Look at what they need. You might have something. I think I saw on your Facebook that you were looking for a particular type of car. You yes. might own that kind yeah. of car. And, hey, what, what awesomeness can that be to have it be featured in a movie? Immortalized in a film. Yeah. More yes. Or less. yes. 1953 Pontiac Chieftain, four-door hardtop, dark. Somebody's got to have that Someone's out there. This is it. Detroit, man. It's, it's the Motor, Motor City. City. <laughs> Yo, it's the Motor right. City. 
Francis, thank you so much for giving us some of your time. And we look forward to seeing what happens down the road. And we're going to talk again. I know we are. And it's really good to talk to you again. It's been a while, as we said, before we started taping the night. Scott and Amber, it's a pleasure. You guys sound great. I can see why your podcast, you got great voices. Oh, thank and you. I love your slogan here. The dead air never sounded so good. <laughs> Ghostly talk. <laughs> dead air never sounded so good.